Hello, welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How's everybody doing? We're back on the free feed. Just did a Patreon exclusive episode last week. If you missed that, patreon.com slash true crime guys. That's all I'll say. We'll talk more about that later. But this week, we're getting back to our roots. We're getting back to just a good old-fashioned serial killer and actually a serial killer duo, which I feel like is really our specialty. We've done a handful of those, and those have been some of our better episodes. And to take it a step further, it's a related serial killer duo. Family members, cousins, yeah, the killing cousins. cousins. Uh oh, yeah. You couldn't tell by the title. <laughs> cousins are an underrated part of your life, if you, especially if you're like an only child, like I was. They were like my brothers, yeah. you know. They still are to this day. Yeah, no doubt. I feel the same way. I, uh, I had, I wasn't an only child, but I had two younger sisters. So like my my male cousins, yeah, they were like that to me. They live. I had two cousins that lived next door, and then my grandma lived a couple houses down. So my other cousins were always visiting her. I would run over there and play with them. So yeah, cousins are like you say they're underrated. And there's a there's a big variance in people's relationships with cousins. Yeah, like a cousin sounds like it's someone distant, but you could be as close to them as a sibling, or it could be a cousin you never met before. It's kind of weird, right? Like, <laughs> but my in this cousins, instance, several of them lived with me growing up. You know, yeah. like my aunt would get into hard times, and she would come and live with us, and we literally shared a bedroom. Like it was like we were brothers for a long yeah. time. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. And uh we never killed anybody together though. So That's good. There was that. That's good. We did right. do some, you know, porn scavenging and all kinds of shit that you do in adolescent adolescence. Right. We found <laughs> right. uh where the Walmart is on Centennial in in Las Vegas back when it was desert, we found Porn Hill and like stuffed our backpacks full of uh you know, nice. home, probably hobo porn. Hobo porn. Was on those pages. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we had some uh, some close situations together over the years. Just never killed right, anybody, right. but you know, never killed anybody though. Nobody. We your, don't your all get to experience everything. Your cousin Bond wasn't that strong. Okay, I see. No. no. <laughs> I mean, maybe we just were a little bit more well adjusted. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Let's do it, man. It was really great to hear from someone who has the same interest in the same taboo things as I do. Most of the time I don't talk about it much because people just don't understand. You saw my name on Rich Downey's website and you liked the story about the detective's wife. Thank you. That was one of the more intense experiences in my life. But she had that coming. She was one of those real smug type persons who thought her crap didn't stink. By the way, Feel free to ask any questions you want about anything. You cannot offend me in any way. Well, I'll close this here until I hear back from you. I promise my next letter will be much longer, as I do enjoy writing. Please take care. Always, David. All right, this week we are covering the Killing Cousins. The leader of the two, as far as in the killing realm, would be David Allen Gore, who is an American serial killer who confessed to and was convicted of six murders in Vero Beach and Indian River County, Florida, in the 1980s. Back to the 80s with serial killers. Most of them, the successful ones were in the 70s, but the 80s it carried into, and by the early 90s, the the era of the serial killer was kind of fading. Yeah, Uh, this is the East Coast serial killer down in Florida. yeah, Yeah. 
Yeah, down in Florida. Man, what a typical Southern name, too, man. It doesn't get much more Southern. David Allen Gore. David Allen Gore. Boy. He looked it's the like part, too. Be, he looked the part. He's a big old corn <laughs> he fed boy. The part. <laughs> well, you know, you got names like, what, David Allen Coe, a popular yeah. country musician. Um, mm. All these know, Southern so guys, they, right? Yeah, it just sounds like he could be a NASCAR driver or a country artist or possibly make moonshine for his buddies at work. I don't know. He could be any of those things. Or a serial killer that spent 28 <laughs> years killer. twenty-eight yeah. years on death row before boasting enough about his crimes in letters to people that he finally like pushed the governor this, to sign his death warrant. <laughs> that's a funny that's part insane. about this story. I, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. You talk yeah. about somebody who dug their own grave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This dude. Um, wow. During his crimes, he had an accomplice, which we uh, alluded to, the cousin, Fred mm-hmm. Waterford, uh, Waterfield, um, and the pair were dubbed the Killing Cousins. And if they weren't careless and downright dumb, they would have been far more successful due to their partnership and their profession. So they had like the perfect, at least uh, David Allen Gore had the perfect serial killer jobs, like two of them. We'll yeah. talk about those. And then they had a partnership, which ultimately, if you're both fully committed to this and you know into yeah. it, it can be a great advantage for you in the serial killer oh realm. God. It's amazing if they only killed six. It's just because we'll see how this played out. But the one cousin got spooked out on this occasion, left yeah. his cousin solo, and then shit went awry because there was two victims. One of them got away yep. and ended their yep. whole spree right away. It was two on one. Two finally. On one. Yeah. And that, that brave woman, one of those two, broke free from her bindings and made a run for it, ending their killing spree at six. However, she paid with her life but likely saved countless others. That part yes. of the story is fucked up, man. She get it's like a, a horror movie. Like she gets away. It really is. Is trying like running down the driveway trying to get help and then ends up getting killed by by David Allen Gore. So, we'll get into all that. But let's start from the beginning. Um so David Allen Gore was born on August 21st, 1953 in Florida. He shares a birthday with Kenny Rogers, Bo Burnham, and Wilt Chamberlain. Chamberlain. You just mentioned country wow. singer. There's another one, Kenny Rogers. Yeah, there you go. And Kenny Rogers, man. He kind of blurs the lines a little bit, though. Yeah. Kenny Rogers, his fans are very diverse. You know, I was more he, a fan of his chicken man. restaurant than I was the music, but that was just Oh, me. yeah. <laughs> they had one in Vegas back in the day on Decatur. I remember going there when I was a kid. Yeah, what was it called? Kenny Rogers Chicken, I think. <laughs> oh, just Kenny Rogers Chicken? I yeah. don't know. I've never, I didn't even know he had a chicken joint. Oh, yeah, dude. Look it up. It was legit. And like the whole okay. setting of it was cool. I remember there being like a lot of red lighting inside, kind of like I got behind me in the video. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was All like right. rotisserie. Kenny? I think it was Kenny Rogers Rotisserie Chicken is what it was. It was bomb. And then... And then like Bo Burnham, man, like oh, yeah. what a what a like a tortured genius, right? right? It's like someone so creative and so funny, but yet he just hates life. He just <laughs> you can just tell he's so unhappy. Yeah. He's so unhappy with everything. Uh, but he, have you seen his new special on Netflix? Did Mm-mm. you watch it no. a while back? That dude, yeah. you got to watch that thing. I will. There's just too much shit to watch all the time. Oh, and I don't but, have that but much it, time. This is just a one setting, though. You know, it's just one setting. It's like 45 yeah. minutes, an hour, and you're done. You know, fair enough. I did find time to already watch Bill Burr's newest one live at Red Rocks. That was fantastic. Oh, Oh, so I can't wait to watch that. I watched the Bill Burr and friends, but I haven't watched the the live at Red Rocks. This one's even better. I bet. It's just, I just wanted to material. I was about to say when Bill Burr's, when I watched that show with his friends, every time he left the stage, I was like, damn it. Yeah. Like shit. Can Bill come back? Can he like help you or something? (laughs) I don't know. I just get in that mode for some Bill Burr comedy, you know, and nobody else fits that bill. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. pun intended. Right. Yeah, so uh, uh, David Allen Gore resembled the stereotypical Southern redneck, as we mentioned, weighing close to 275 pounds and um, was such a, a firearms fan that he studied gunsmithing in his free time. So 
Uh, exactly what you'd picture. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Reminds me a bit that's of Joe, of, Joe Metheny, which is uh, oh, interesting because there was an author that yes. wrote a book on three serial killers, one of them being David Allen Gore, the other, one of them being Joe Metheny. I forget who the third one was, but that book, the author has a quote later in this episode. Okay, yeah. Uh, Joe, he's from Baltimore. Yeah, right? yeah, but they had yeah. the same look though. That just big redneck looking. No, definitely, dudes. and East Coast, mm-hmm. and East Coast. Yeah, that's funny. So as he grew, David David Gore developed a seething hatred for women, not unlike most of the male serial killers that we've covered. Mm-hmm. He felt that Angry they all looked himself. down on him and that they were snobs that wouldn't give him a chance. Born in 1952, his cousin Fred Waterford or Waterfield had a different experience with girls early on. His father was a brilliant engineer that moved the family from New Jersey to Vero Beach, Florida when he was nine years old. Fred's father then took a job with NASA and was essentially an absentee father to his three children after that, which led to Fred's mom, uh, Fred, uh, uh, actually David Allen Gore's um, mom, or no, yeah, Fred's mom relying on her brother-in-law, which was David Allen Allen Gore's father. Um, So Fred would now basically uh, fall under his uncle. David Allen Gore's father for right. father, for mentorship and for that father figure. And mm-hmm. you have to imagine that's when the, the cousins got really close. They were always together because uh, Fred's dad was always gone working for NASA. And now they're just, his mom's always spending time over at the brother-in-law's house. Exactly. So right. they referred to him as uncle Gore, uh, David's dad. So mm-hmm. he, like his son, David though, had a silent and non-confrontational personality. However, uh, Fred was totally different, outgoing, popular. Um, he became yeah. a high school football star that had no problem getting a date. They were still close, though. They just, you know, basically David envied and looked up to his cousin because he was popular and had no issue, you know, making friends in school and all that. While, right, right. While he was just kind of Mr. Loner and no one liked him and he got picked on. He was bullied by the same cheerleaders that were cheering on his cousin on the field. He was getting right. bullied by them, so... Yeah, that could be a little bit awkward. You could see how some frustration would come with that, especially in them formative years. Mm-hmm. Then we start seeing um, some some red flags from young David Gore. His first job was at a gas station as an attendant, and he would be fired after the owner found a peephole that he had drilled between the men and women's bathrooms. So, that's not a good sign. Not a good start, yeah. Nope, that's 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 the beginning stages, right? Yeah, there's. I think with most young men, there's or young boys, there's like a. Of course, there's a curiosity with the other sex, and the, there's maybe a bit of peeping that goes on for a lot of young boys. But like, you don't want it to progress, you know, because a lot of times it's like a gateway drug into further crimes. You know, you want it right, to right, right. Hopefully, die off quickly. Well, I mean, he's but very this is close next level. This isn't here. like this isn't like you're walking down the street and you see some girl's curtains open and you kind of like lean your head and try to look in. This is like drilling holes between bathrooms. Yeah, and, this is yeah, this is a little further. <laughs> this is taking the extra step yeah. here. And also, like I said, you're, he's very close to adulthood here. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's got a job at, as a gas station attendant where he probably works alone, yeah. which is where he why he had time to do this. Yeah. You know, so he's got to be 16 to 18 years old here, most likely. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's too old to be doing this shit at this yeah. point for sure. But it seems as though there was something dark in the gene pool of the young men in this family because his cousin Fred, like David, had a bad temper and uh, a liking for violent sex, it seemed. They spent so mm-hmm. much time together in adolescence that they learned about each other's fix- sick fantasies involving power and control over women. And by mm-hmm. the mid-1970s, as they entered into adulthood, the creepy cousins decided to delve into a horrific partnership. 
and they, they kind of made this this decision together that we were going to basically help each other hunt down women and do horrible things to them. Jesus. I'm not sure how it got from point A to point B in that. I think they, they just, like I mentioned, spent a lot of time together and they confided in each other, their dark fantasies yeah. and all that, and it just spiraled and it just got worse as they got older. They trusted each other. Yeah. You know, they, they did. They had a pack from childhood and mm-hmm. you just, you'd always tend to trust people that you grew up with a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more, regardless of how much they change. Now, their first attempts, there was a learning curve here. Their first attempts were actually pretty embarrassing. They, uh, the first attempt was f- they followed a female motorist outside of Yeehaw Junction. Fred flattened her tires with a rifle, but the, the intended victim escaped on foot. So, uh, Yeah, these guys weren't in the greatest of shape probably around this no. time. No, they're not chasing. They're not in the chase. Especially David. Really. Fred being a former football star, maybe, but... Maybe. I don't know. He looked pretty heavy in his mug shots as well. Yeah, well, you, you tend to time. put on but a few OBs after school sometimes. That's right. That's he might have right. been one of those guys that peaked early, too. He was the star in high school, and all of a sudden he's yep. like bald and overweight by like 22. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. As soon as they stop doing those two-a-days, bro, they pack on all, right. all them pounds. Yeah. So later, the cousins followed another woman to from Vero Beach to Miami, giving the, up the pursuit when she parked on a busy street. That's creepy. So they just she must have obviously realized during that long travels that this same mm-hmm. car with two creeps behind her was, you know, and that's yeah. I'm sure why she went to a busy area uh, wisely. Yep. yep. That she was uh, some of the advice in our run, fight, hide, escape episode. Advice to survive a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, if you go back into, into our catalog, area. you can find that. Yeah. Get to a, a busy area. Never get in the car with them. Never. Yep. Yeah. Calls a scene. Mm-hmm. Cause a scene in that busy yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. Now, their first successful rape took place near Vero Beach. And while the victim notified police, she later dropped the charges to avoid embarrassment in court, unfortunately. Because mm. it would have been nice Man, to... I bet you that that is more popular than we will ever know. Yeah. And of course, you I mean, can't so blame them for that. That's You can't. Yeah. They but already went through a horrific thing. Now you got to go spend time in court and point fingers at the person who did it to you and deal with that trauma. But, yeah, but if you don't, that horrible person who did this thing to you will just go on to do it to other people, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. But I, I get it. I'm not I'm not blaming the victim because of this. these awful people continue to do this. But I'm just saying it, it's, it's very disheartening, like how yeah. embarrassing it can be for these victims. They already went through something so traumatic. It'd be nice if they could do they that shit over Zoom now. We do everything else over Zoom, right? Can't, Why can't, can't you hide their identity? Right. Put them it. on Zoom. Look, Make it look like a Vice interview. You know how but, Vice always be interviewing these people yeah. in the underworld? They blur their face. They change yeah, their voice. Yeah, but then does that? how does that. that play with the jury, though? If they don't even see, they, it could be anybody doing this anonymous finger pointing. <sighs> yeah, that's true. Well, the jury... The jury doesn't know them, right? So maybe you, you yeah, but at least it's a real them. person that they can see that has a name and yeah, that's true. And there's a record, um, you know, of the assault or whatever, a police record yeah. of it linking to the same person. But anyways, by early 1981, Gore was working days with his father as a caretaker of a citrus grove and patrolling the streets after dark as an auxiliary sheriff's deputy. Great. Two of the most perfect serial killer jobs, which you have to think he chose these for that reason, because his life's goal at this point was to just like basically rape slash later kill as many women as possible. He had given up on any other dreams. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, a, an auxiliary sheriff's deputy. So he's got the badge, man, which gave him all the, in his eyes, gave him all the power and control and yeah. everything that he always wanted. And then he he's has access to a fucking white citrus grove where he can bury bodies, which they would 
absolutely do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The Dwight Schrute um, mm-hmm. of Vero, Vero Beach, Florida at this time. He's assistant to the deputy. That's right. Sheriff. Sure. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. So they had two great, uh, great advantages um, for aspiring serial killers. As we mentioned, they had a mm-hmm. partnership. And then also these, these two jobs, which were just kind of perfect. Fred, yeah. by now, however, had moved to Orlando. So they weren't even living in the same town. Um, and he was managing an automotive shop, but he made frequent visits home to Vero Beach. And together, they recognized the potential of Gore's situation. Packing a badge by night, killing time, uh, killing time in deserted orchards by day. And Fred offered to pay his cousin Dave $1,000 for each pretty girl he could find. So... Now there's a monetary incentive here added to it as well. Yeah. Wait a minute. Fred offered to pay Dave a thousand. Yes. Because Dave had the jobs that could, you know, he could use his badge to, even though he has no idea how to talk to women, he's not attractive and he's never had success in that realm. He can use his badge and different means kind of like Ted Bundy did to lure women. Uh, He would, you know, he would like, we'll see as we'll see he'll disarm their like disable their vehicle while they're at the beach and then when they come yeah. back he says hey i'll give you a ride things like that yeah. or you know there's some issue that i can help with with mr fucking deputy badge here you know just come with me and that's mm-hmm. how he's now luring because i don't think uh, his cousin was in, in much better shape as far as getting women at this point we mentioned how he started to kind of lose that high school coolness after right. he got out, he's now just working at an automotive shop. He probably put on some pounds and he's just not like Mr. Football star anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he, I, I don't know. I miss, I misunderstood this story. I guess when I was looking into it, I thought that it was the other way around. I thought Dave was paying Fred Mm-mm. uh, to, to bring him girls because Fred was better with women, but no, I misunderstood. No, no okay. those days were gone. And now Dave yeah. had the, Dave had the power with his badge. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he, I think he was closer to the beach and stuff, you know? Right, right. He had access to, to those situations. So it was uh, an offer Dave couldn't refuse. And on February 19th, 1981, David found 17-year-old Ying Hua Ling getting off the school bus. He coerced her into his car with the flash of his badge, his deputy badge. You know, this is a young girl who doesn't understand, doesn't know any better. She's this grown man is coming up with a badge. She's getting off the school bus. She just assumes that it's legit and goes with him, unfortunately. This part blows right. my fucking mind, though. This is how like bold this dude was he then drove her home and arrested her mother 48 year old hasang ling and handcuffed right. the, his captives together which is one of the most uh, bold things i've ever seen anyone do on this show that is right on what charge you already abducted her daughter like, now you go you? to her house and abduct the mother too and it yeah. works just handcuff them together fuck take them both talk about not questioning an officer mm-hmm. yeah mm. He then, he then phoned his cousin Fred in Orlando before he drove out to the orchard. Uh, and Fred, of course, came out and met him at the orchard where they both raped the victims. But Fred was more picky, rejecting Mrs. Ling as too old, the mother. He then tied mm-hmm. up the women to a tree, tried up, tied up the mom um, uh, to a tree in such a fashion that she choked herself to death while struggling against her bonds. And that was while they were raping her daughter. So about as horrific an image as you can imagine, the mom has to sit there choking herself while watching her daughter be ravaged by these two fucking monsters. Yeah, there and that is going to be a running theme in this episode. There is some really brutal killings. Yeah. yeah and murders because were, these guys admitted animals. to so much. They admitted to so much. Yeah. So, just be warned. 
So the pair then dismembered the two women and stuffed the, their body parts into oil drums, which they buried. Now, I've heard conflicting reports on this. I've read multiple sources regarding this case. And one case, or uh, one, one study source I read said that um, Fred left, paid him, paid Dave 400 bucks and left. And then um, Dave buried the bodies. And then I've heard that they both dismembered them together and put them in these drums and buried them. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. One so, thing we do know is that Fred paid David a $400 finder fee, not the thousand that he promised, but he's, I, th these victims, I guess, weren't up to what he wanted. He wanted blondes or something like that. Oh, I was so, about to say, um, he's already like, you know, going back on his deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a shitty deal. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, God, there's no honor even among cousins, apparently. Right. He pays up in full for this next one. This, this next victim okay. was more to his liking. So five months later, on July 15th, David made a trip to Round Island Park looking for a blonde to fill his cousin's latest order. Spotting a likely candidate in 35-year-old Judith Daly, Judith was a former Fort Pierce, Fort Pierce resident visiting from California. He, while she was at the beach, he disabled her car and then played Good Samaritan, offering her a ride to the nearest telephone. Mm. Man, you gotta your spidey sense has got to be going off, right? Like your car isn't working, and then this guy's this creeps just lurking around. Like, hey, I can give you a right. ride. Yeah, I noticed you. Uh, your car's not working. Yeah, the meanwhile, it's probably right just like her battery cable's unhooked or something. Right. Oh <clears throat> God. So once inside his pickup, Gore pulled out a pistol, cuffed his victim, and called his cousin Fred on his way to the orchard. Waterfield was happier with this delivery, writing out a check for fifteen hundred bucks. And after, after both of the men finished with their victims, so the same thing, they, you know, mm -hmm. raped her and killed her. Mm. Um, two years later, Gore, uh, behind bars would, uh, give his description of what happened to, uh, to Judith Daly. He said that they fed her to alligators in a swamp 10 miles west of the interstate 95. So wow. apparently they did their duties or their deeds at the orchard and then took her body elsewhere. Or he's yeah. just being dramatic. I really think he was uh, playing up a lot of his crimes when he was writing these letters to pen pals in prison. Yeah. There's so much more. We have some like some I'm, quotes from these writings later in this, but there's even like um, there's pages and pages more of these disgusting writings later on. And I think uh, a lot of it was just him playing up. I mean, he was already on death row. What did he have to lose? He just be. he just embraced the monster thing at a certain point. It could be, but I mean, they are they are also in Florida. I bet every resident of Florida knows a body of water infested with alligators. Yeah, and like, I don't think not, this is one of the bodies that were recovered. So that would it may, give you some clout to that, because there were yeah. three that were recovered, and I don't think Judith was one. And honestly, that like I say that that's it's not a stretch, and it wouldn't be a hard thing to do. And possibly one of the easiest things to do. Yeah. to get rid of a yeah, body. Yeah, honestly, in Florida. you you throw a body into a swamp in certain parts of Florida, and it's a matter of minutes, I'm sure, before they're being snatched up by gators because there's just they're yes. infested yes and there are there you're are lucky to not bridges. get yourself drug in and fucking eaten while you're doing yeah. it. that'd be the only risk yeah i mean there are bridges in in florida that you just look over the side and there's just alligators everywhere it's yeah. like so I yeah mean, what do you think is gonna happen you throw a body in there near. what do you think yeah gonna they happen? could yeah exactly they could just stop on the bridge and not even get close to the water you see what i'm saying like yeah that could be a really easy way to dispose of someone in florida mm-hmm so a week after killing Judith Daly, uh, David Gore fell under suspicion when a local man reported that a deputy had stopped his teenage daughter on a rural highway, attempting to hold her for questioning. Mm -hmm. And this, this, uh, you know, the the daughter of of this deputy was was a little bit wiser to this shit. I'm sure she'd been warned by her father a lot 
Uh, yep. Yeah. So this this guy, I don't think he was actually. I think he was like higher up within the police force. Uh, oh, then, she. Yeah, he fucked up with this one. Yeah, because Gore was then stripped of his badge, and but this didn't slow him down because just two days later. He was arrested when officers found him crouched in the backseat of a woman's car outside of a Vero Beach clinic, armed with a pistol, handcuffs, and a police radio scanner. That one's hard to explain. That is really hard to explain. Yeah, you're in the um, back of some woman's car with all of those items. Uh, how, you know, can you imagine? I wonder if this woman was like coming back to her car and then she saw him crouched down and pretended like she didn't see him and then just walked by her car. You ever seen people do that? Like, yeah. I was watching a video the other day, uh, I think it was on Instagram, and this girl was filming this man breaking into her car. He was literally breaking into her, and her windows were tinted. So While she's she was just, in she's it? Like, she's, yeah, she's like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like he's trying, and then he opens the door and she's like, ah, excuse me. And he just slams the door and just walks away. He just walks away. And like, I got one better for you. Face. My, huh? I got one better for you. Many years All ago, right. my one of my best friends at the time who lived in the same neighborhood as me, his sister went out and got in the family van to go somewhere. She was a teenager at the time. And as she was driving, she saw a man in the back of the van peek his head up. Like in the mirror, she caught a glimpse of him. And she was smart enough to, rather than like make a call and let him hear that, she started texting like her dad and shit and saying, there's a guy in the van with me and all this shit. Oh and God. so what he told her to do, he was a fireman. So he was very like, you know, he knew what, what to tell her to do. He basically told her to like play it cool, act like he wasn't there. And then at a stoplight or in a parking lot or whatever, a busy area, fucking get out of the van, jump out and call 911. That fucker got out and like ran away when she parked and got out. Yeah. But that shit is nice. fucking creepy, right? That is dude. Like anytime you have a, a big vehicle, I mean, even a car though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't know. I have to look in the back seat, but I mean, they could easily be hiding back there, especially a big van or a neighborhood SUV. I grew up in, man. We had some weird shit happen. So yeah. I, one, another time I was in my buddy's kitchen, uh, which the window for his kitchen looks, it looked at the time towards my front yard of my parents' house. Yeah. And we were, I was probably like 17, 18 and my pickup truck was parked in the front of the house. And it was like 2 a.m. We were playing video games and stuff. And my buddy was like drinking some water standing in the kitchen window. And he's like, he looks out and he's like, there's someone in the back of your truck. And I'm like, what? He's like, there's someone in the back of your truck right now. They bet of it. And yeah. so we both sprint over there. Not, I mean, I don't know why. Like we just, just instantly just didn't even think like this could be a bad situation. What did like, right. maybe let's assess this now with the two of us, 18 year old fucking testosterone up dudes like just yeah. sprint over there Can't we run we, we grab the tailgate and look <laughs> in the back and there's a dude laying flat like the scene from friday like hiding yeah yeah and then we look over and there's a fucking like cadillac slowly creeping down the street straight oh, scene out of a movie and the guy like it is when he sees us we're like what the fuck are you doing he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm like these people are trying to get me he jumps out and starts sprinting down the road and that cadillac just starts following him we're like oh, oh fuck shit. dude <laughs> Like, we probably just got this guy killed. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's like a bad drug deal gone bad or something. Ah, oh, but what are you supposed to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, of course, he's in my truck. He just happened to, unfortunately, get spotted by the owner of the truck when he yeah. got back there. Dude, my brother-in-law told me a story about when he lived on East Side in Eastside Vegas, and he said he was sitting on his back patio. This is the last one we'll share, and we'll get back to the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was sitting on the back patio, and he was just he was just chilling out there, having a cigarette, and... He, he said it was later evening. It was almost sunset. He said, and he and he looks up and he just sees this book bag fly over his back wall. Oh, you know how the, the cinder block walls. Yeah. He sees this book bag just, and he's like, okay. <laughs> so he's just sitting there, 
and he's just watching. And the next thing, next thing you know, you see this guy climb over the wall with a hoodie, and uh, he jumps over the hoodie, and he's like looking around. And he doesn't see my brother-in-law, and he's like, my brother-in-law's like, "Can I help you?" And he's like, "Oh." Oh, and he just takes off, leaves the bag, leaves oh, the shit. bag, forgets the bag, jumps over the next wall, runs across the f- wall, jumps over the next wall, and then he looks over and he just sees him jumping walls. And he's just trying yeah. to get out of someone's front gate, you know, yeah. back between the houses. And uh, I'm dying to know what uh, was in this backpack. He, it was a laptop. Okay. So who knows what was on it, but they called the police. The police came and took the bag and the laptop. I'm like, you didn't even open it up and turn it on? He's like, no, I right. didn't want my fingerprints on it or whatever. Yeah, like, that's okay, probably yeah. smart. That's smart. That's what if smart, it was like filled with child porn or something, man? You, you don't want to yeah. be anywhere near that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I was who knows? Th- I was hoping it was just like fucking unmarked bills or something, and then your cousin's you like, "Yeah." It, and then I bought a new house, and <laughs> yeah, you know what it was, dude? It was probably just a, a laptop that he stole from someone else's house, and he was like, "Yeah, ah, fuck no that. doubt." Yeah, that's I'm all it was. It, or yeah. out of a car or something. He probably broke into a yeah. car, stole the laptop nearby, yep. and ran and jumped the wall. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, crazy stories, man. You gotta be, yeah. gotta keep you, keep your head on a swivel. Yeah, no doubt. For sure. So for this, uh, this occurrence where David was in the back of this woman's car with all of these weapons and he was caught, um, a jury would deliberate for 30 minutes before convicting him of armed trespass. And he was sentenced to five years in prison while in prison. He would turn down, turn down psych- psychiatric treatment recommended by the court. And he would be paroled in March of 1983 after only two years. So he, uh, said, turns wow. down treatment and they still release him within two years for... That's what I don't get, man. That should be like, you should have to serve your whole sentence if you're not doing anything to reform yourself or not trying to take any help. And that's super like scary thing that he was busted for. You know, he's hiding in the back of a woman's car right? with a pistol, handcuffs, and a police scanner. Like, it's he not had the worst average of everyday assault or like normal little harmless crime. Like, that is, that's, yeah. That shows some seriously dark tendencies there. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. His intentions were extremely nefarious. And then he shows no intention of rehabilitating himself when he turns down treatment in prison and they still let him go after two years. That's basically saying, I don't think anything's wrong with me. Yeah. And then you release this man. Of course, he then went on the straight and narrow and that's the end of our case. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. See you next week. All right, guys. Keep creeping. (laughs) So, no, a short time after his release, his cousin moved back home to Vero Beach and they were reunited, and they took up right where they left off. On May 20th, they tried to abduct a woman in Orlando, a sex worker, at gunpoint. But she slipped away and left them empty-handed, which I find hilarious, because it's, of course, like, you ain't getting one over on any, uh, that easily on a street gal. Like, right. Yeah, she was, she was like, on to this shit. With your shit. Especially in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's seen it, dude. Yeah. Orlando, it's like the East Coast Vegas over there, bro. They've yeah. seen it. The next day, the duo picked up two 14-year-old hitchhikers, Angelica Lavelli and Barbara Byer, and they would go on to rape both before Gore shot them both. Byer's body would be dismembered and buried in a shallow grave while Lavelli's body was dumped in a nearby canal. So they're not always using this orchard for whatever reason, which I don't know why you, if you had the alligators to your disposal, why you just wouldn't use those every time, like we mentioned. Like, it seems like a perfect way of getting rid of bodies. Well... I feel like you you leave a little bit to risk. Alligators aren't exactly like pigs. I don't. They might not finish the whole thing. They might rip off an arm and then get bored. Yeah. You but know if what I'm it's saying? A, it's a, if it's waters that are infested, I feel like yeah. If they're if whatever scraps are left from one are going to get picked up by another. I don't know. I would think so, but I don't know. It just, uh, there's a lot of variables there. Yeah. You know, in the water, 
mm-hmm. these gators, these gators, if they're infested in that area, they're probably eating pretty well in that area. I mean, Florida's yeah. full of wildlife. They're not starving. Mm-hmm. You know, they're freaking dinosaurs, bro. They're not. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe they went back and visited and noticed that uh, some remnants were left over, or something. Yeah. Or they were just in, closer to this canal and nowhere near the swamp that they were mm-hmm. using. Who knows? Well, these probably. these two victims, Byers and Levely, would be the end up being the only two crimes for which David's cousin uh, Waterfield would be convicted of. So, mm. a month later, though, on July 26, 1983, the killing cousins picked up 17-year-old Lynn Elliott and 14-year-old Regan Martin, students at Vero Beach High School, that were hitchhiking to Wabasso Beach. Mm. Wabasso Beach. Uh, they took both girls to a house owned by Gore's parents. And Waterfield soon left, spooked by having seen his sister during the drive. And this is what we alluded to earlier. This is where things go awry because the cousins split up. They don't take on their victims together. And uh, David Gore is outnumbered here, two to one. And things Mm -hmm. get out of hand. So David Gore later told police that he bound and placed the girls in different rooms prior to raping them. But without his ex-football star cousin present, things didn't go so smoothly for Gore. As he was assaulting Regan... Lynn, nude with her hands tied behind her back, escaped out to the driveway until she lost her footing. So this is a straight horror movie scene, dude. She's nude, handcuffed, running from the house down the driveway as Gore sees that she's fleeing and chasing her. She then falls. He says, about this incident, Gore later stated, I kept running after her. Then she tripped and fell, and I caught up to her. I started dragging her back, and she was trying, like, resisting, fighting me. So I threw her to the ground. That's when I shot her in the head. My God. But this is ma- all in the public eye, though. He's Dude, still outside. This shit would be about the most the- unbelievable, dramatic, traumatizing thing for this young boy who happened to be yes. riding his bicycle through the neighborhood to witness, which is what happened. This you know, kid's riding me- his bike and sees this shit go down. Yes, dude. This reminded me of that Fuck. scene from Breaking Bad with the kid on the dirt bike who pulls yeah. up and then Todd shoots that guy in the desert. Mm-hmm. And that kid's like, uh, nah. And then he... <laughs> yeah and then you know, of course uh, todd shoots the kid too yeah well this kid uh, thankfully got away uh got away not yeah. only did he get away he alerted authorities yep he alerted a, he went away. home probably told his parents who called 911 and this led to a 90 minute standoff between gore and law enforcement at that house cops mm. eventually arrested david gore and rescued this is that, that part is pretty amazing too to me that he didn't immediately go in and kill regan knowing that that you know the jig was up and she would be a witness or whatever. But, he, you know, they were able to rescue 14-year-old Regan Martin, who was found uh, in the attic, naked, handcuffed, with electrical cords tied around her legs. So he must have tried to hide her, uh, knowing the police were coming, you'd think. Like, right. putting her in the attic. Maybe he was getting greedy, thinking he could get back to her later after he got rid of the cops or something. But, like, dude, a kid just saw you shoot a girl in the fucking naked, handcuffed woman in the driveway. You're yeah, not getting away from this They're searching your whole property. Yeah, dude. Like... <laughs> And when they yeah, look yeah. up the property, it's his parents' house, right? And right. they could, I'm sure, see his record based off of that and say, oh, it's a younger guy. It must be the, the, this couple's son who yep. was recently just got out of prison after hiding in a woman's car hang, you know, with handcuffs and a gun and all this shit. Meanwhile, yes. this crime that just occurred involved handcuffs and a gun as well, coincidentally. so Yeah, all the arrows pointing at him, man. He's not getting away with this one. Yeah. David Gore knew that he would not get, uh, never get out of prison, um, and when he was brought into custody, he cracked and started describing his crimes uh, in detail that he had committed with his cousin. 
Mm. On December 7th, 1983, he led police to the remains of three of his murder victims. These victims were Barbara Ann Beyer, uh, Haiseng Huang Ling, and her daughter, Ying Hua Ling. Um, he also admitted to killing others. Um, and on March 16th, 1984, he would be, it would be, you know, pretty easy in court to, to get a conviction here. He was convicted on all six murders, even though they didn't have all six of the bodies. And he received the death penalty for his parts in the crimes. Meanwhile, uh, a few months or almost a year later on January 21st, 1985, Fred Waterford, his cousin and in crime there was convicted in the buyer level Lee murders, receiving two consecutive life terms for those. Mm. Interesting that they did most of their work together and killed most of these victims together. And yet he only got two. Um, and meanwhile, David got all six, even with only three of the bodies being found. But I mean, what's the point? I mean, the only difference is on paper. I mean, yeah, they're both I mean, going to be in prison forever. Yeah, it would just be nice David for the families to have that, you know, on record that he killed your your loved one and not just f- for technically to be... The, for the cousin to not have been on paper involved in those, only the two, kind of annoying, I'm sure. Yeah, it's bullshit. I know. Yeah. It is. But, I mean, but the families know that both of these men were caught, yeah. taken off the street, and then you know, one of them ultimately eliminated. Yeah. And on March 3rd, 1988, David Gore's death warrant was signed by then Florida governor, Bob Martinez. But of course, these things take a long time, even in Florida. And Mm -hmm. he ended up sitting on death row forever before, you know, we'll get into the interest, the interesting aspect of him just continuing to write just disgusting things about how much he enjoyed his crimes and going into detail about how he did them. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, for year, for years, his, uh, his attorneys filed appeals to delay or reverse his execution. A federal, a federal judge vacated Gore's death sentence in 1989 after he claimed he was too drunk to have known what he was doing at the time of the Elliot killing. Another judge then reimposed the death penalty three years later. In his, in his final appeal, Gore raised a flurry of legal issues in an effort to stay alive from the subsequent disbarment of a former attorney to his length of time on death row. The Florida Supreme Court rejected all of his arguments. And while on death row, he continued to stay busy by writing to a pen pal, multiple mm. pen pals, I believe. And in a, in a chilling correspondence, Gore sent around 200 pages worth of letters to a man named Tony Segalia who wrote Gore and other serial killers after a severe head injury as a teenager in an effort to better understand them. So this Tony guy is get, you know, getting all this stuff from, from David, all of these details, mm-hmm. which would later be exposed. Here's some quotes so, from his letters. Go ahead. Tony Siagla. I'm sorry, real quick. He had, he had a severe head injury. Mm-hmm. Which made him fascinated with serial killers because most of them had head injuries, which led to their impulse, lack of impulse control and all of that stuff, which we've talked about at length on this podcast. Yeah. So the Tony Segalia I, I, guy, just because he had an injury, maybe he was worried about <laughs> his, his ability like, to control himself and started writing to see. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, lots of people get head injuries. I mean, yeah. I had a con- I had concussion or two as a kid. Like, I, I don't want to write to serial killers to better understand. You know, I mean, yeah. something's weird about this situation, yeah. right? Maybe he has urges. I don't know. I, I've always found it odd when people are you know, writing to serial killers and trying to get like this personal relationship with them. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing for like interest or you're like into a true crime or you want to, you're working on a case, you're being a web sleuth. But the fact when you're writing to them because you have things in common with them, that's, that's the, that's the alarming thing to my opinion. 
But yeah. not not trying to insinuate anything about uh Tony here, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. that's just an odd stretch. It's like why wouldn't you write like a neuroscientist or or somebody like that? Why do you want to yeah. write a yeah. serial killer? No doubt. <laughs> yeah. So so nonetheless, here's some quotes from his letters. Quote: I I drug both bodies into the woods where I disposed of them. Oh, and you can be- can you believe I collected hair? It took a couple days to recover from that. It was a perfect experience. In another letter, he described his uncontrollable desire to kill. Quote, it's just a sort of along the lines as being horny. You're just getting horny and it just keeps building up until you have to get some relief. That is the same with the urge to kill. It usually starts out slow and builds and you will take whatever chances necessary to satisfy it. And believe me, you constantly think about getting caught, but the rush is worth the risk. Another quote, several of my victims were a mother and her, y- and her daughter. The most memorable one was a young mother and her 16-year-old daughter. I kept them both for three days. The daughter was a really fine cunt with her virgin tight cunt. I tried to, I tied her spread eagle on a bed and tied her mother up and forced her to watch me rape her daughter. I killed her daughter in front of the mother. Hard to hear, right? But important to hear. And it helped him get finally killed on death row because when certain people with the power to basically sign this death warrant heard these things they're like yeah this we're fucking killing this bastard yeah finally yeah because several people they're moving it up (laughs) several people made sure that the boasting did not go unnoticed there was a las vegas man who wrote to gore an author of a uh, published an author who published the inmates grotesque letters and a newspaper columnist who brought the case to the attention of the florida governor at the time rick scott and in 2012 scott having heard the details of these letters that David Gore had been sending from prison promptly signed the death warrant, even though at the time more than 40 other men had been on death row longer than him than he had. So there's a quote from uh, a, a, the author of that book I mentioned earlier, who wrote a book called serial killer whisperer who had Joe Metheny in it as one of the focuses. And also David Gore is one of the three focuses of that book, a quote from him. He says, those letters are so disturbing and, and so insightful into the, who this person is. Gore actually talked his way into the death chamber. Good. And <laughs> finally, after 28 years on death row, David Gore became the 73rd person to be executed in Florida since they reinstated the death penalty in 1976 when he was executed on Thursday, April 12, 2012, a little over uh, 10 years ago. And his final meal would be fried chicken, french fries, and butter pecan ice cream. Mm. Right on brand as far as what you imagine he would have. Right? <laughs> I was going to say that sounds delicious, actually. That's, <laughs> it sounds delicious, but also sounds exactly like something this guy would get. Yeah, he ate that every, every probably for like almost every other lunch, but yeah. Yeah. That's... And his final words, he would say, I want to say to the Elliott family, I'm sorry for the death of your daughter. I am not the same man I was back then 28 years ago. I hope they can find it in their hearts to forgive me. What about all not the rest of the Not if they fucking families? read what those about letters. The family? Yeah. 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 Also, yeah. You had six minimum of six murder victims, and then also many other people that you either attempted rape or did rape. Right. And, and two no, of those, no apologies to them. Well, four of those victims were mother and daughter. So you had yeah. one, two, three, four families. Four yeah. families affected, and yeah. you only apologized to one family. What, what's mm-hmm. up with that? But you admitted to six murders. Yeah. Why are and you only sorry for? I'm the sure LA they've family? heard. I'm sure they've heard the rumblings about your you know, boasting and in detail about these murders and how much you loved it oh, God, as well. Yeah. So yeah, have. your apologies are not, they're not necessary. No, Fucking these writings that have come out 
the, and these writings that you put in the timeline, these are these are just snippets, right? These there's, are there's this plenty is just more. tip of the iceberg. Yeah, there's yeah. plenty more if you are so inclined to go find them. If you can stomach it, because the one I read was bad enough, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that was one of the worst rough. things we've read on this show, to be honest with you. But yeah, no doubt. That's that's really. <laughs> That's plenty of insight that, like you say, though, important to hear, important yeah. to hear because you're talking about a man who literally, like like the judge said, talked himself mm-hmm. into getting killed yeah. almost immediately. So, yeah. you know, it had to be something like that. But it makes more sense when you realize the death penalty was brought up for this man two separate times, mm-hmm. right? And he yeah. was going to be killed. Yeah. It's just, they just, this just expedited it. They're like, yeah. all right, this motherfucker has caused enough harm. He doesn't need to be psychologically encouraging other people to yeah. do this or torturing the victims. Yeah, so exactly. We don't go. need the victims having to fucking read in the news every other week that he wrote some more monstrous shit about the killing yeah. of their family. Because member. you know, the, like the, the, the news, they love to broadcast this type of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll play this stuff all the time, you know? Yeah. So. And, and maybe the other inmates that had been on death penalty or been on death row longer than him, maybe they had at least calmed down and tried to rehabilitate them, whatever they were just, do biden their time or whatever and they weren't out there yeah. making waves like this asshole exactly so exactly yeah well, all right well, well make some go, waves man. with your deodorant and yeah get some oh my guy in your life that's right you make good waves yes. with your bo instead of yeah. bad waves that's right. <laughs> right you can make some uh good waves by using oh my Gaia, guys um it's a great alternative to the typical store brand aluminum laced deodorant okay this is all natural no aluminum all organic all all organic ingredients oh my guy is an innovative all natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products uh their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness and at oh my guy they use only all natural paraben and aluminum free organic ingredients like we said and there's tons of scents to choose from, guys, uh, from vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, uh, barbershop, sailor, sweet pea, pear, uh, bergamot, amber, fireside. And we have our own scent, which I believe is on sale right now. Isn't it True Crime Pine? Yeah, baby. Uh, I believe I believe we just shared a uh, Instagram post, guys. If you follow us on Instagram, at True Crime Guys, you get access to little... little uh, Little sales and little snippets like this uh, by Oh My Gaia has our scent, True Crime Pine, on sale right now. Uh, like I say, go check us out. There's a link on at shop underscore Oh My Gaia on Instagram. And because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can always get a little discount. You can. I was going to say, it's always on sale off. if you use our code word Creeper. Right, but I think True Crime Pine is, is on. I don't know. I just looked on the website. Sale. It looks like it's the same price. Going right. Oh, same price? Okay, I love it. But you save 10% it. by using code word Creeper. 15 Oh, 15. 15, sorry, Jesus. 15% by using word creeper, guys. C-R-E-E-P-E-R. Uh, just because you're True Crime Guys listeners. And again, that's at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Guys, won't regret it. Do it, guys. It. Do it. Aluminum's a great metal for a lot of things. You know, if you mm-hmm. want lightweight, strong material, but it's not so great in your armpits. So yeah, stop doing Ooh. that. Mm-mm. All right, uh, let's thank our other uh, weekly sponsor, uh, another great small company who is making all natural things for your body, Tonic. 
Tonic CBD has original formulas using CBD adaptogens, herbs, and superfoods, and has been working to deliver the most effective, intentional, and sustainable products possible since 2017. Their farm-to-bottle CBD CBD plus botanical blends are uniquely formulated to provide targeted support where you need it most. They have a bunch of different blends depending on your needs like chill, grounded, and flex. And they use, they also add in things like black seed oil, a powerful antioxidant into their CBD, and it's great for your immune system. Um, we love how easy it is to verify their product. So when you get their a shipment of their product, it comes in a, a really cool cylindrical container. And mm-hmm. that container on the top, if you tap your phone on it, it will give you access to third-party lab reports. It'll give you information about CBD to educate yourself. Um, And they have values rooted in quality, integrity, and sustainability. They're committed to creating plant-based wellness products that are good for the people and good for the planet. It can help you in so many different ways. CBD has some, there's so many studies out there as to, you know, helping with depression, helping with just overall health. Um, And it helps us a lot. We take it on a daily basis. So visit tonicvibes.com to learn more about their products and use code word creeper if you decide to make a purchase to save 20% off your order. That's tonicvibes.com, code word creeper. And below this episode in the description, you'll find links to um, all of our sponsors for the episodes. So, Right on. Yep. All righty. You'll also find a link uh, below in the description to our Patreon page, which is where our episode went last week. If you were wondering where an episode was last week, it was on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash guys. $2 mm-hmm. a month gets you access to that episode as well as all of our other uh, premium monthly uh, Patreon exclusive episodes. And then we have, uh, more content on the $5 tier. That being said, you can pay up front as well. So for, I believe it's $54 a year, you can get on the $5 tier. You save 10% by doing that, um, paying up front and just being done with it. Or you can pay $5 a month and you get access to that premium once a month episode. Also just a banter, which we do every single week. Me and Michael sit down and just answer listener questions. We talk about whatever's on our mind for up to an hour. Um, and then also on the $5 tier, you get my five minute murder show, which is, uh, a show that I created. It's me doing a, a murder case start to finish within five minutes. Usually it's cases that just broke, uh, usually involving, um, genealogy. Most of my cases turn out to be that cause there's so many cases breaking on a weekly basis. There were old cold cases that are being solved thanks to DNA technology advancements. Yep. And so I, I do that show every week. You'll get access to that. You'll also get access to everything else. Higher thoughts. Um, short, strange shorts and all of this stuff. Also all of the Sandu content, you get the Sandu stories, which a new one's just coming out right now. Right. That's right. A new Sandu stories just dropped Friday. Um, it's, it's something a little different. It's kind of a, um, a metaphorical Sandu stories, if you will. Uh, it's not necessarily about a, about a crime, but it's still pretty interesting. You guys check that out as something like I say, a little more off the wall, but still just as exciting. Just as if you haven't checked out Sandy stories, it's unlike anything that we've done, uh, on our, on our, under our umbrella. And it's uh, likely unlikely anything you've heard in podcasting. It's, it's audio theater in a way it's, it's a scripted show. We, we, you know, use a, a group of our friends and family members to do, uh, voice acting and even other podcasters like Leroy Luna is on the latest episode. So Leroy Luna from excuse me, that's illegal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He plays, uh, I, th- I think it's like an ongoing thing that I'm thinking about doing. It's like a uh, every time we have a driver on Sandu Stories, I'm going to let Leroy play it. Oh, just that's because, awesome. You know, because on Excuse Me, That's Illegal, he plays a driver. That, yeah. That's kind of his thing. He's like, you yeah. know, buckle up. We're going on a ride. I'm going to tell you right. a story. Yeah. So I thought it would be funny that every time we have a, a driver on Sandu yeah. Stories, we let Leroy do it. So th- this is the second time playing a driver for us. I think he played a driver of a, of a horse carriage in an older one. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah. So enjoy those little Leroy cameos. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely check that out because a ton of work goes into it. Uh, Michael and Andy are uh, burning the midnight oil trying to get that show well produced for you guys, and it pays off. No doubt. Yeah, those last 48 hours. Those last 48 hours are crunch. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and I also feel like I should mention uh, we, we're going into fantasy draft season for fantasy football. I feel like a yep. broken record at times because I know there's not a lot of carryover in the, in the true crime world into fantasy football. But I do want to mention that I have a fantasy football show that I do with a couple friends uh, yes. called Full House Fantasy Football. Um, you can find that on everything, you know, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find our YouTube channel. So give that a subscri- uh, subscribe. And we do video podcast every week, um, breaking down players, rankings. We do mock drafts on there, all sorts right. of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, give that a listen and a watch um, as well. Right on. That's going to help you big time, especially if you're in the uh, Fantasy Creeper League. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which we got our league all filled out finally for this year. Um, right. Sorry to those that played with us last year that weren't eligible. We want to mix it up. I know some people were a little upset that they didn't get in again this year, but right. next year you'll be eligible again to get back in. But we just didn't want to. The only person that was allowed to come back was the winner, and that was the huh. rule from the beginning is we yeah. were going to rotate. That way everybody uh, on our Patreon or whatever, every listener of True Crime Guys will eventually have a chance to play fantasy with us each year. So Right. Aside, aside from True Crime Guys staff, the only players allowed yes. to return are are the winner from the previous mm-hmm. year. So if we didn't make that clear uh, at the last season, we apologize, but that is how we'll do moving forward. Yeah. So Jana, uh, Donkey Punch, will be yep. returning we'll this year. We'll see if she can repeat. We'll see if she can repeat. I'm going to take her down this year, man. Ooh. You're, you're going to be out of the league next year, Jana. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's trying to kick you out, <laughs> We got Jana. some serious competition, though, this year because we're, we're adding in the uh, the rest of the Full House Fantasy Squad. Uh, oh, in yeah. There. So we're going to have Josh and Tori in there, two guys that are very serious about fantasy football. Plus, your boy Andy's jumping in, which he said he's going to be the doormat of the league. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> he's already saying Yo. I'm going to be last place. <laughs> Well, you know what? I didn't do so well last year, and you know who helped me with my draft? Andy. So, uh, okay. I blame Andy. Right. Yeah, I blame you, Andy. <laughs> That's why you drafted four kickers? Draft. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's why half of my team was Raiders players. Thanks a right. lot, Andy. God damn it. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's going to be fun. But yeah, good luck winning this one this year. Jesus, you guys, like half the league is fucking professional fantasy players over here. Yeah. What are we going to do? aspiring professionals i don't know if we're actually on that professional ranking list yeah we're not like uh we don't don't have shows on uh, nfl network or anything so no not yet not yet yeah (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening this week uh we will see you next week for another freeloader episode um and we'll see you on patreon for just a banter in a few days and all of that stuff so yeah keep creeping have a great week in the desert we like a mirage it's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage now we ain't mad at you sit down let us talk at you i'm talking to the creeper army we out here making murder get murder true crime guys in the desert we like a mirage it's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage now we ain't mad at you sit down let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army. We out here making better charming. From the minds of true crime guys, come. TCG Weekly. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out all the other programs on the TCG Network. Every Wednesday, a new episode of True Crime Guys proper, Strange and Unexplained on Mondays, and Full House Fantasy Football on Fridays to start your weekend. 
If those aren't enough, head on over to our Patreon account, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of content, including older episodes and other Patreon exclusives like Strange Shorts, Sandu Stories, Higher Thoughts, and The Five Minute Murder Show. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. How do you, how do you shut this thing off? Over? Oh, shut up, boy.